that event, that empty tomb changes everything. And I believe somebody's life in here this morning, this weekend, is going to be changed too. My name is David Vaughn. Welcome to Whitewater, and I'm really glad you're here. Today we want to talk about doors and locks and keys, because everybody got them, you know. I got some keys. I don't know how many keys are on your key ring. My ultimate goal is to get my life down to just one stinking key on the key ring. Some of y'all got like dungeon master keys, you know, you got so many. But I got my keys here. I got the key to my house. I got the key to my Tesla car, Model S. No, I'm just playing. Some of y'all say, that's why they always got to take up an offering here. Vaughn, that preacher, he's driving that to. No, I got my little Volkswagen key here. I got my key to the church here, and it unlocks lots of stuff. It's a, a master key, which means I can get like in the landing, get as much coffee and snacks as I want. You know, Peter, Jesus gave Peter like the keys to the kingdom. I got the keys to the thermostat. That's like powerful stuff right there. So everybody here has got some keys, and I want to talk about some keys and give you some, what I think is some key principles. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus had a set of keys, and he used them on Easter to unlock some powerful things. The powerful key that Jesus used was when he rose from the grave. Check this out. Here's how John wrote about it in Revelation. This risen Lord appeared to John in a vision that scared him half to death when Jesus lands in front of you, I'm going to tell you what, when he is the real, when you see him for who he really is, when, when he opens wide the door of life and he's standing there, it's a scary thing. And so that's why he begins with this phrase, these words to John, do not be afraid. Revelation one verse uh, number 17 says, I am, Jesus says, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. He is, I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever, and here's the keys, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. I hold the keys, the keys of death and Hades. When Jesus died and rose again, he went down and took away the keys of death and hell from the devil who owned them. Satan could no longer snatch them. He cannot snatch them out of his hands because Jesus' grip is firm on you and he's firm on life. Jesus holds the keys because friend, he owns the keys. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. That means he has authority over life here and there. He has authority over life on this earth and life on the next earth. He holds the power over death. And this is great news for everybody here at this service, anybody watching online, this is big news, this is good news, this is great news, Jesus, holds the power and the key to life. Now, I think it's interesting that Jesus said in his very first words here in Revelation, those four little words, do not be afraid. Why did he say that? Because that's exactly what most people are today. There, there's a whole phenomenon of anxiety, and we don't want to minimize that, but fear runs amok in our society. 
Psychiatrists officially recognize over 400 human phobias. These are paralyzing fears which negatively impact a lot of our lives. So again, we don't want to minimize them because some of us struggle with them, myself included. But I'm just going to do a little quiz. We'll see how smart this early service is on Sunday with some phobias, okay? So what do we call the fear of confined spaces? This is one of the top ones claustrophobia. Very good. Now, what do we call the opposite of that? Fear of open spaces. Anybody know? Agoraphobia. Wow. Okay. And how about this? A fear of flying. You don't want to get on an airplane. Aerophobia. See, I taught you something today. What is the fear of spiders? Y'all knew that so easily. That worries me a little bit. I have found in my research that everybody, in fact, some famous people in human history have suffered from some very unusual fears. For instance, in my research, I found out that Alexander the Great, Napoleon, and Hitler all suffered from allurophobia. You know what that is? Fear of cats. Now, I don't like cats, but I don't fear them. Oh, I know I'll get email about that. David, how could you not like cats on Easter Sunday? But everybody here struggles with some type of phobia. They even have a phobia, which is the fear of phobias, phobophobia. Did you know that? And I'm pretty sure everybody here, no matter what your age, if you own a cell phone, it's the debilitating fear of being without or losing your cell phone. Nomophonia. That's, that's, I'm, I'm lying about that. That's not a... Although I know some of y'all have that fear. Man, we are a people that are afraid of a lot of things, aren't we? And while there certainly are many legitimate things to fear in this world, certain fears rob us of life and joy. Oh, one more fear that is usually near the top of everybody's list when it comes to fear is one mentioned actually in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. It goes to these keys that Jesus took away. Here's how the Hebrew writer puts it. Since the children have flesh and blood, he's talking about you and me, Jesus, he too shared in their humanity so that he, by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those all their lives who were held in slavery by their what? Fear of death. Held in slavery by their fear of death. No matter who you are, no matter how old you are, there's a little bit of necrophobia. That's the fear of death. In fact, society people, psychiatrists tell us that it's claimed fear of death, necrophobia, claimed by about 68% of us. I think most of us are, are maybe not afraid to die. I, I, we kind of like Hollywood director Woody Allen, who, by the way, admits to struggling with about 30 different kind of phobias. He famously quipped one day, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens, he said. <laughs> That's where some of us are. I believe a lot of folks think there is an afterlife, but they're not too sure what it'll bring. When you have Jesus run your life, when he is the key person in your life, even the fear of a second death, everybody's going to die once, but he died for us so we don't have to die but one time physically, not eternally. And I believe a lot of us are fearful about what's going to happen on the other side. I believe we heard fear well described, by the way, with that song our team opened the service with. Ain't, oh, ain't no grave going to hold my body down. That's like my newest favorite Easter song. I've been playing it all week. 
And boy, there's a line in there that says, fear is a liar with a smooth and velvet tongue. Fear is a tyrant always telling me to run. Ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. And you know what, I got good news. If Jesus walked out of that grave, we're walking out too. You don't have to fear. Listen, I meet people every day who go through life struggling, fumbling, looking for the key to unlock the problems of their life. A lot of us here, it's not going well. We need some key that will usher in a door of opportunity, a new beginning for us. Some of us here are doing quite well though. We think we've got some key learnings and we've had some key events happen this past year. Some of us, our life is not going bad, it's going great, it's up and to the right, and we've got just about everything we thought we wanted in life. But something is missing from the keychain of our world. I would propose to you and suggest to you that it's not a something that's missing, it's a someone that's missing in your life. I am convinced after all the living that I have done, and I'll tell you my age here in just a little bit, but I am convinced after all of the living that I have done, all the things I have seen, all the things that I have experienced, I have come to the conclusion that if there is no heaven or if there is no hell, and I believe there is, but even if there is no heaven or hell, living with Jesus as the key person in your life is the way to go. Life is better with Jesus even if there is no eternity. In fact, I am convinced that this is the key to unlocking the potential in your life. It's faith in Jesus and his resurrection power. That's why we gather today. Faith in Jesus, he has this way of overcoming our heart and he transforms our life from top to bottom. He'll, he'll, he'll change the way you look, the way you think, the way you act, the way you spend your money, the way you relate to others. Jesus is the key to unlocking. I'm not talking about a religion now where you just kind of show up on Christmas or Easter and check it off the list. I'm talking about an everyday relationship with Jesus Christ where he is the key person, the key leader who informs key decisions of your life. I'm talking about embracing and celebrating the person and the event that brings death from, that, that takes death and makes it life, that brings hope from hopelessness, that moves you from darkness to light. Listen to me, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you can accept all that he said. If he rose from the dead, you can accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then don't worry about anything he said. But I'm telling you right now, he rose. And if he rose, he'll rise up in you and his words will bring life and open the doors that you've been wanting that have been locked or prohibited from you to entering. See, because the tomb is empty, we don't have to be empty anymore. Some of us have some empty relationships, empty life, empty hearts, empty homes, empty souls. Listen to the, what Isaiah the prophet, how he described this key learning in his life. It applies to a lot of us. Isaiah 33, uh, verse number th five says this, the Lord, the Lord, he is exalted for he dwells on high he will fill Zion, that's like Jerusalem or the earth, with his justice and righteousness. He, the Lord, will be the sure foundation for your times. Oh, I love the way he puts that. Whatever time you're in, good time, bad time, uptown, downtime, he is the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the what? The key to this treasure. It's the key. It's the key to moving through this life through the door of death into the next life. 
If you live in Cincinnati, you probably know the name Billy Cunningham. Great WLW, the great American. I listen to him every once in a while. He and I have traded some emails over the years. Bill recently, I don't know if you heard this, he had a malfunctioning aortic valve that was slowly closing. And on the advice of his doctors and his wife, Penny, they pushed him to have heart surgery, which he recently did successfully, praise God. But I saw in a quote from him in the inquiry. I want to put it up here. I think it describes exactly where a lot of us are. Here's what he said as he was heading into this surgery and this experience. This is serious, he said, life and death. And when you stand at death's door and turn around and walk back toward life, that's what I feel like, he said. I had this second chance at life. When you stand at death's door, he said, that's a whole new perspective on living. See, Jesus helps people like Bill and like me and like you, whether we're on the radio or not, face the fear of death and he helps us unlock stuff in our life. That's what keys do. They unlock things, places you can never go, things you can never experience. That's what keys do. That's why Jesus is the key person of this day. He's the key person of your life. Author C.S. Lewis said it well. He said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance, the only thing he said it cannot be is moderately important. Hmm, amen. So either Jesus is what he said he was and who he said he was, and he'll inform all your days, 365 days a year, 24-7, all your times, or he's not. You kind of got to decide that. Is it just kind of religion I play with or is it a relationship I'm living with? There's an interesting story in John chapter 20 that involves some locks. I've read it many times, but this just, for some reason, I never saw this, just popped out to me before. The disciples are afraid. Again, fear is our enemy. They're afraid. Jesus has uh, been crucified. They've heard some rumors that he might be alive. Some of them are skeptical, some are not. And notice what it says in John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. I mean, he like went right through the doors. Wouldn't you like to have seen that? After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. They were gathered in a room, cowering in fear with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. See, locked doors have pretty much been a part of everybody's life since this time forward. It, it, it's probably a part of your everyday life. I mean, what's the last thing you usually do at night before you go to bed? If you're smart, you lock your doors. What's the last thing you do when you get out of your car? Kroger, you lock your door. What's the last thing that some of y'all did when you showed up at church, when you got out of your car here in the parking lot? You locked your Tesla and you, you came on in, right? Why do we do that? It's the same word we discussed earlier, fear. We lock doors because we're afraid. When I was a young preacher boy at Society Christian University, my freshman year, they used to send me out to little tiny towns, to little tiny churches to preach and fill in. And I remember they sent me to a small town in Indiana, and they said, hey, you get there Saturday night, you're going to spend the night at this guy's house, and then you're going to preach Sunday morning. I said, great. They said, well, you're going to stay at an elder's house. He happens to be the funeral home director in town as well. I said, cool. And I got there and I didn't realize that his home 
was the funeral home. You know what I'm talking about? This is old school, small town kind of funeral home is the home. Uh, morgue was in the basement, chairs and uh, chapel set up on the first entry level. And then up in the upper rooms of his house were where he displayed his caskets. And guess where my bedroom was that night? I was next to the casket display room. Could I just say this to you? I have faith, but I locked my door that night. In fact, the bathroom was on the other side of the casket room, and I had to walk from my bedroom through the casket room to get to the bathroom. Can I tell you this? I didn't brush my teeth that night. I said, I'm going to lock this old door. If somebody like Jesus or anybody else would have come through that door, I'm telling you right, I would have spoken tongues. I would have been died of a heart attack. Jesus specializes in opening doors and locks and puzzles that humans cannot figure out. He'll pass through closed doors that you think are closed forever. He'll suddenly open them. He has that power. In fact, over in Revelation, the angel, it says, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words of him, talking about Jesus, who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. David was that brilliant king whose kingdom was pervasive and powerful in Jerusalem. Jesus called himself the son of man or the son of David. Jesus holds the key of David. Check this out. What he, what Jesus opens, nobody can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. There's two great words there. Open. Whatever he opens, nobody can shut. It's such a powerful and great word. Open doors are about joy and hope and opportunity. Open implies, you know, uh, adventure and accessibility and being invited, welcoming. But that closed also, he says, what he opens, no one can shut. Jesus has this ability to open stuff you, you thought was shut forever, that you thought was locked forever. Jesus also shuts stuff. See, there's some doors that only stay open for a certain period of time, then they shut forever. Because closed means something too. Often it's a miserable word. It represents disappointment or dread or dead or there is no opportunity or no possibility. Closed means you're like on the outside looking in. Let me tell you what closed is to me. When I'm hungry after church on Sunday and I go to Chick-fil-A <laughs> and they are stinking closed because they're closed on Sunday. What's up with that? Anyway, I'm disappointed because they're closed. So as I kind of wind down here, let me ask you a key question. Let me ask, just get kind of you and I talking now, a little personal here. Let me ask you a key question today. What locked up thing or things do you need Jesus to open in your life right now? What locked up things? What closed doors, what issues that where you have no potential do you need to Jesus, the key of life, the door of life, to open in your life right now? You know, maybe it's finances. You know, you reach in your pocket to get your keys, you reach in your pocket to get your wallet, and there's no money in there. You're not, you don't have a Tesla. You, you got like a broken down something that don't run half the time. I won't say a word because some of y'all probably driving that. What kind of car is it? What, you know, some of y'all walk today. Maybe it's a financial breakthrough that you need in your life. We've got folks that can help you with that. Jesus can redeem your finances. Maybe it's a health issues in your life. 
maybe this, this Easter right here, you just got a call the last couple weeks from a doctor. And he said, you know what? I got some bad news. It's not going well. Jesus is the key to your health issue. When you face the door of death, like Billy Cunningham, you need to make sure Jesus, you have relationship with him. Uh, maybe it's like a, you need a job. Maybe you have an addiction that's got you locked up and jacked up and walled up, and you don't think anybody can fix that. Oh, you, you may need some doctors and some counselors, but let me tell you, the good doctor, the great physician, the good counselor is the key to fixing this addiction in your life. Maybe it's some relational issues that are locked up. Maybe like you have a spouse and you don't like the spouse. Maybe you don't have a spouse, but you want a spouse. Maybe some people will trade with you, I don't know. Well, I'll get an email about that too. I don't. Well, I got something free for you in the relationship world. I recently saw a list for things that women want in a man for each decade. I'm gonna help you out here to unlock some things, some key learnings in your life. Okay, I got them up here on the screen. First of all, at age 22, here's what women want in a man. Handsome, financially successful, a caring listener, witty, in good shape, dresses with style, full of thoughtful surprises. But now, age 32, here's what we want in a man, ladies, nice looking, opens car's doors, has enough money for dinner in a nice restaurant, listens more than he talks, laughs at my jokes at appropriate times, can carry in all the groceries with ease, remembers birthdays and anniversaries. Now age 42, a little more complex. <laughs> Not too ugly, hair optional. Doesn't drive off until I'm in the car. <laughs> Works steady, splurges on dinner at McDonald's on occasion. Nods head at appropriate times when I'm talking. Is in good enough shape to rearrange the furniture. Usually wears a shirt that covers his stomach. Remembers to put the toilet seat down. Now my decade, age 52, Keeps hair in nose and ears trimmed to appropriate length. Doesn't burp in public. Doesn't borrow money too often. Doesn't nod off to sleep when I'm talking. Is in good enough shape to get off the couch on weekends. Usually wears matching socks and fresh underwear. But now age 62, doesn't scare small children. Remembers where the bathroom is. Doesn't forget why he's laughing. Is in good enough shape to stand up by himself? Usually wears some clothes. Remembers where he left his teeth. But now look at age 72, very small, breathing. You're welcome. There you go, I just helped all you ladies and all you men right size the key to your relationship. My guess is that you fought traffic and went out of your way this morning to be here at this service because you want a life that's more than just somebody breathing. And can I tell you this? The key to that in your world, in your life, is found in a person named Jesus who came, who died, was put in the tomb, and three days later, you know what? He was breathing. You can fake a lot of things. Let me tell you what you can't fake. Resurrection. It's true for us, and it's true for him. 
So maybe the thing in your life, the thing in your world that's not working right, that's locked up, that's messed up, is this wall that you have put up in your heart. It's been walled up so long that your heart has become hardened toward Jesus. Maybe you've just done Easter every year and it's just kind of an obligatory thing. But friend, could I just have you open your mind and your heart to a truth that Jesus wants to set you free? Because you can't go through an open door with a closed mind and a closed spirit and a closed heart. Maybe some of you have seen the classic picture done by the artist years ago, Jesus standing at the door of your heart. We had that picture in my home growing up, and I love that because if you notice, there is no doorknob, there is no latch on the outside of the door. Why? Because you have to, to open the door of Jesus, the relationship with him, from the inside. It's your decision. That's why Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. I love this. See, Jesus will not go where he is not welcome. He must be invited. Jesus won't kick the door down. Jesus Christ wants you to invite him into this wonderful rooms and explore and impact in a relationship every area of your life. And if you believe in him, if you confess him as Lord and Savior, if you repent of sin, if you are baptized, just like we saw earlier in the service, you can have the hope that this life is not all there is, that the best is yet to come. I encourage you to commit to let Jesus this weekend unlock one thing in your life and to take a key with you this weekend to symbolize that commitment that you're gonna give him the key to every area of your life. If you're up for this key challenge, I wish I could afford to buy everybody one of these keys. But as you leave today at the exits, you will find a small key. Grab one, maybe put it in your pocket, maybe keep it with you for some time. What is it that you're gonna commit God to open in your life? Perhaps it's just simply a commitment to come back next weekend. Some of y'all, it's your first time. Awesome. Check us out again. We're starting a brand new Thursday night service for those who work on the weekend or got soccer for kids. Starts this Thursday. Meal at 5.30, free meal. Service at 6.30. Love to have you. Sunday, next Sunday, same times, 9.30, 11.15. Maybe it's your commitment just to come back. We got a buddy, Dan Buskin, who uh, runs Buskin Bakeries, who's going to be here Thursday and Sunday to share his testimony. And I said to Dan, you know what you got to bring? You got to bring you, but you got to bring some of these. Oh, man, that smells good. 210 calories good. <laughs> Dan will be here with his cookies next week. And I hope that maybe some of you might the key learning, the key step for you is to be here next week. You know, much like you, I was shocked, saddened, and surprised as I watched that cathedral at Notre Dame catch on fire this week. Have you been following that like I have? I've been, I've been touched and I, I, frankly fascinated by the comments of people in the aftermath. Uh, some comments by people who don't even believe in God. But one of the best quotes was from New York Cardinal Timothy Dolan. He said, moved by the spirit of the resurrection, he said, the cathedral at Notre Dame will rise again, he said. I have no doubt that it will. But you know what? It's one thing for a building to rise again. 
It's a whole other thing, phenomenon for a person to rise again. And that's what we celebrate this weekend, the rising of a person. So let me close my time by reading to you what is probably the shortest resurrection account. It's the classic one. It has the best line, I think, of all the resurrection accounts. Here it is. On the very first day of the week, very early in the morning on Sunday, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered it, they did not find the body of the Lord. Jesus, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men, I checked these guys out, two men dressed in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. I mean, they're, they're afraid. But the men said to them, here's the line, here's the question, it's awesome. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen, remember Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Friend, my job, our job this weekend is to simply help you remember the same thing. And it's the question I will leave you with, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why are you searching for dead habits and dead keys in your life? Why do you look for the living, the Jesus among the dead? He is alive and ain't no grave going to hold him down and hold us down. I, I asked the band just to, I love that song so much. I thought we would just kind of close out with a reprise of that. I said, I got to hear just a little bit of that one more time. So let's stand together because ain't no grave going to hold us down.